You know the sound. Whether you think of it as America's pastime or just the sport your parents forced you to play in middle school, most Americans have some connection with the game of baseball. And for diehard fans, it's more than just a connection. It's a passion. And there's a lot to be passionate about. Sure, on one hand, it's a game of seemingly endless statistics. Hits, strikeouts, home runs, walks, balks, whatever those are. But on the other, each swing, each pitch, each foul ball is part of a story over a century old, with a rich history full of heroes, villains, and folklore-worthy tales of dugout fights, unofficial mascots, chants, and stadium food. And whether you're a fan or not, living in a baseball town is a unique experience. It can feel like the team represents the city itself, like they represent, well, you. Even in an off year, nothing brings a fan base together like watching the hometown team fight for a shot at the playoffs. After all, who doesn't like an underdog story? But what happens when that hometown team, the one you've supported season after season no matter what, betrays you? What happens to your passion then? Back in the summer of 2021, one fan found out. Madness is what it was. Pure madness. I'll never forget it. Okay, so you were there. Was I there? Of course I was there. All Baltimore was there. I'll tell you, I couldn't wait to spend time with my grandson at Camden. But never, I mean never did I think we'd be ducking for cover in a dugout. The event, which came to be known as 50 Cent Beer Night, occurred on October 7th, 2021. But you probably remember that, whether you're a baseball fan or not. I don't know anyone who wasn't either at or was watching 50 Cent Beer Night. It's true. Still to this day, 50 Cent Beer Night remains the most watched televised sporting event in history. From the seventh inning on, that is. I was about to turn it off when it got to the stretch. But once the shit started to hit the fan, uh, no pun intended, uh, I called everybody I knew and told them to turn on ESPN as fast as they could. I don't know why anyone was surprised. Once Joe gets going on something, he don't take no half measures, on. Joe is, of course, referring to Joseph Carlton Bandicoot, better known to you as... Big Joe. Big Joe. Big Joe. Big Joe. Of course, I always called him the Riverman. And now in sporting news, we continue to bring you coverage of the strange saga playing out in Baltimore, where a man known as Big Joe Bandicoot has been starting a grassroots campaign to found the 31st Major League Baseball team, the Dundalk Upper Deckers. That's right, Keith. What seemed like a midsummer prank has turned into one of the most trending stories of the summer as the Baltimore Orioles announced today that they have formally challenged the Upper Deckers to an exhibition game on October 7th. Yes, and in his press conference that followed, Big Joe declared the game would be Camden Yards' first ever, get this, 50 Cent Beer Night. Oh, boy. You know, Keith, I have a feeling that's going to be one rowdy game next week. To say the least. The Upper Deckers captured America's heart in the summer of 2021. But on 50 Cent Beer Night, they would become much more than a hashtag on Twitter. They would become the most polarizing team in the history of the sport. And they would change baseball forever. This is Beneath the Headlines, 50 Cent Beer Night and a Legend of the Dundalk Upper Deckers. I'm Megan Stanton. Chapter 1. The Legend. 
Since moving to Baltimore in 1954, the Orioles gathered a fierce and loyal following in Maryland. And with good reason. They'd brought home three World Series championships, produced six Hall of Famers, and Oriole Park at Camden Yards is frequently cited as one of the best ballparks in the country. But that famous Oriole magic had faded. Before the 2021 season, the O's had a losing record in 16 of the previous 21 seasons. In 2016, they hoped to turn things around by signing star first baseman Chris Davis to the richest contract in franchise history, a whopping $161 million over seven years, in case you were curious. But the signing quickly turned into a punchline. Davis completely fell apart after the deal. He went from leading the league in home runs to leading the league in strikeouts per at-bat. In 2019, he set the record for the longest hitless streak, going 0-54. Bars across Baltimore started giving out free drinks on the rare occasion that the team's highest-paid player got a hit. So entering the 2021 season, O's fans didn't exactly have high hopes for the Birds. And Chris Davis, he started the season on the extended 60-day injured list with a back strain. But that didn't deter the fans. Days after COVID-19 mysteriously disappeared without a trace, Oriole Park was once again crammed with spectators. For a little while, spirits were high. The birds swept their opening series, and it looked like things could be getting back on track. But the ship swerved shortly after, and as the wind column started emptying, so did the stands. But one constant always remained. Big Joe was at every single one of those godforsaken games. That's Clara St. Clair, Big Joe's next-door neighbor. Rain or shine, pandemic or no pandemic, Big Joe never missed a game. So he was a season ticket holder? Oh, you would think, but no, he just walked up every night and bought a ticket. He liked to move around bleachers one night, dugout seats the next, that sort of thing. When was the last time you saw Joe? Last time anybody saw him. 50 Cent Beer Night. In the chaos that followed the events of 50 Cent Beer Night, Big Joe Bandicoot was nowhere to be found. There have been many rumored sightings since, but all have been false leads. As far as anyone knows, Big Joe just vanished. And for the regulars of Camden Yards, that's a big adjustment. I've been a vendor at Camden for 13 seasons. Let me tell you, Big Joe's always been there. That's Mason, one of many longtime vendors at Camden Yards. So you're the guy to get the peanuts and Cracker Jacks from, right? Hell no. That's some basic shit for some basic seller. I'm a dog dealer. I'm a beer barker. I'm the finest stand salesman in Baltimore, baby. You think the O's are going to blow this major league talent on some minor league snacks? Yeah, no, I I was just sort of making a bad baseball joke. Oh, ha 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 ha, I gotcha. No, Phil's on Cracker Jacks. Mason is not the longest tenured vendor at Camden, but after a decade on the job, he knows the ballpark well. And knowing the ballpark means knowing the ballpark's most important asset, the fans. So you knew Joe pretty well, then? Of course I knew Joe. Everybody knows Joe. Of course, I always called him Iron Lung. Why Iron Lung? Listen, the man had pipes, okay? He'd hype people up shore. But his real forte was heckling. He was like the Pavarotti of hecklers. When he puts his mind to putting you down, damn. It's like a symphony of smack talk. The man was an artist. Were people put off by that? Sometimes people complained. But most of the time, people loved it. 
Fans loved seeing that Joe was in their section. He was like a celebrity. Joe is not an anomaly. All across the major leagues, ask around with stadium regulars and they'll be able to tell you the famous fans for the team. Joe's not even the Orioles' first famous fan. Another Dundalk resident, Wild Bill Hagee, was a Baltimore institution and started the team's now nightly O-R-I-O-L-E-S chants. He gained widespread notoriety for his passion for the team. He even went to the White House and was later inducted into the Orioles' Hall of Fame. Many people feel Big Joe picked up where Wild Bill left off. Ultimately, everybody liked Joe. Even when you were pissed at him, you liked him. <laughs> Except Hyde, I guess. <laughs> the Hyde Mason is talking about is Brandon Hyde, the Orioles manager in 2021. Oh, did he really have it out for Joe? No, I don't think so. I think he just lost for a second. He couldn't have known it was going to be where it did, you know. You don't think yelling at a fan is going to start a war. After the first month of the season, the O's started to take a tailspin. Then the birds fell into a losing streak, a bad one. They had dropped 12 games in a row when Big Joe took up residence behind the home dugout. From what I remember, Joe wasn't yelling anything too out of line, but I think Hyde just had it, you know. On May 7th, 2021, the Orioles had been leading the Red Sox one to nothing, heading into the 7th. John Means had been pitching great, but he walked the leadoff hitter, which brought him to 90 pitches on the night. And here comes Hyde. Jeff, I don't like this at all. Means had him on a full count. He just didn't get the call. Well, I guess Hyde just wants a fresh arm in there with such a slim lead. So in from the bullpen comes Dylan Tate. I don't know about this. Yeah, Tate has been struggling lately, so we'll see if he can turn the tables here tonight. Bottom of the seventh, one nothing Orioles. We'll see you back here in a moment. Tate didn't turn the tables. He gave up a home run and the lead to the Sox on his very first pitch. So Joe did what Joe did best. He gave some feedback. You see Big Joe Bandicoot down there above the dugout? <laughs> How could you miss him? I bet he's giving Hyde some... Uh... Uh, constructive criticism? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that, yeah. <laughs> Hyde came back out to remove Tate two batters later. Joe was standing right above the dugout, giving him an earful, when Hyde did something you don't normally see managers do. Respond. Oh, wow, look at this. Hyde getting into it now with Big Joe. This is something you really don't see. Orioles manager Brandon Hyde is standing on the top step of the dugout, screaming into the stands at Big Joe Bandicoot, who, as anyone who's been to Camden Yards can tell you, is a pretty familiar face to most fans. This is getting intense. Some of the Orioles' players are turning around now. I don't think we have a mic down there, so we, we can't really hear what they're saying. But this is getting intense. Uh, Hyde isn't just chirping back at him. He's standing there, laying in to Big Joe. And listen, we all know Big Joe's a smack talker, but, but this is something else. Hyde must have said something to him that really set him off. Because right now, it looks like he might jump clean over that dugout. I, I've never seen him like this. Hyde, too. He looks like he's about to jump up on that roof. Is anyone going to go down there? Can we get security down there? It does look like security is coming down toward Big Joe now. Oh, he's not the only one. Looks like the bird wants to break this thing up. <laughs> That's it, bird. Get in there. Split him up. <laughs> At last, some mediation. <laughs> well, folks, leave, leave it to the bird to defuse a tough situation. Hey, if anyone was going to get away with jumping in between those two, it's the bird. Am I right? Why, he's got the padding after all. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> now it looks like Jill's got some words for the bird, too. Oh, and Hyde's headed down into the dugout, and it looks like Big Joe is headed out with security. Just some applause, even. Well, I guess that's better than the alternative. I tell you, I thought that was going to get ugly there for a second. But that wasn't the end of it. After the game, Hyde was asked about the altercation with Baltimore's favorite fan. Can you tell us about the fight you had with the fan? Yeah, it wasn't a fan. Wasn't that Big Joe Big fan? Joe isn't a fan. He's a pest. We're happy to have the fans. We love our fans. Big Joe's not a fan. He's a nuisance. He's a big man with a big mouth. The only reason you know about him is because he's obnoxious, arrogant, and uh, demeaning. Are you aware he's been coming to the game since- And you'd think with all those games he'd learn something about baseball. The man just likes to yell because he has nothing better to do with his life. The team's better off without him, honestly. I'd just as soon never see him again. So, did you have any actual questions about the game? Uh, I think we've covered this nobody. Brandon, can you tell us about- Ooh, I tell you, after Hyde said all that shit, I was pumped for the next game. It probably meant a chaotic night, but we all wanted to see how Big Joe was going to respond. But the next night, there was no response. There was no Joe. First game he missed in who knows how long. Honestly, it was weird. It was weird for everyone. When I saw Joe was home the next day, I was shocked. I thought maybe something happened to him, so I went over and I knocked on his door. He opens it a crack and I says, Joe, you all right? You're going to be late for the game. And he says to me, I'm not going. I'm busy. And I says, busy? What you doing? And he says, planning. Hello? Hi, is this Edward? Edward! (laughs) Only my mother calls me Edward. If you're asking if you're talking to the one and only Meat Hooks Mickelson, honey, you've got him. Okay. Now, what can old Meat Hooks do for you, huh? Sure. Uh, If it's okay, I was hoping to ask you some questions about your time with the Upper Deckers. Sure, we can talk about the Upper Ds, but I know what you're really after. (laughs) You want to know where Joe is, right? (laughs) Well, I mean... I'm going to tell you the same thing I've told all the other reporters. When Joe wants to be found, you'll know it. This, as he made abundantly clear is Edward Meathooks Mickelson, the third baseman of the Dundalk Upper Deckers. So could you just walk me through what happened? Like, did Joe come to you, or did you go to him, or...? (sighs) I've known Big Joe almost all my life. Of course, I always called him Mr. Tambourine Man. But if there's one thing I've learned about Joe over the years, it's that you don't call Big Joe, okay? Big Joe calls you. And when Big Joe calls, you answer the call. You understand? Opportunity is not a lengthy visitor, and Joe's Mr. Opportunity, okay? Joe calls me, probably not ten minutes after that charade of a press conference ended. And you know what he says to me? He says, Oh, Meat Hooks, I think it's time we put together a team. Meat Hooks, like Joe, was well-known in Dundalk, particularly in the beer league baseball circles. All of the upper deckers had their quirks. We'll meet more of them in a later episode. 
but Meat Hooks was a particularly memorable presence on the diamond. Lots of players have signature looks, whether it be facial hair or sock style or a notable piece of gear they have. Meat Hooks gained fame for what he didn't. So when did you stop playing with a glove? Stop? I never started, hon. You're saying you've always played barehanded. Look at these hands. These are my mitts. They're cased in calluses so hard you can sharpen an axe. They're covered in a leathery armor that the deadliest barbarian warriors could only dream of. All baseballs that dare approach And, he neglected to mention, they're huge. Meat Hooks was a local baseball hero for his defensive, albeit gloveless, prowess with his enormous, well, Meat Hooks. He won a slew of awards in high school and college and has been tearing up Baltimore's beer leagues ever since. With Meat Hooks on board, Joe had made his first official acquisition, but he didn't stop there. Within hours of Brandon Hyde's press conference, Big Joe had solidified half a roster. But as any baseball fan will tell you, you're nothing without an ace. It just so happened, Dundalk had one of those, too. I'd say the question I get most is probably, why not softball? I tell them the same thing. Because I ain't soft, hun. If you played in one of Baltimore's recreation baseball leagues, you knew Diana Domino long before the rest of the world did. You knew her reputation preceded her, you knew you made some snide comment about her as you stepped up to the plate, and you knew your place after she struck you out. Baltimore's got a few different rec leagues going on, a few different beer leagues, some official, some not, you know how it goes. I played in them all, been kicked out of a few. It didn't matter. They always come crawling back. Her reputation started when she appeared at an open tryout event that the Bowie Bay Sox, a minor league affiliate of the Orioles, had back in 2015. The event was essentially just a promotion to get more young fans to come out to the ballpark. Then Domino stepped on the mound. I struck every one of those fuckers out. Every single one. People started noticing, so they thought they'd embarrass me by sending some hotshot prospect up from the Bay Sox. Struck his ass out, too. And then what? Some guy shook my hand, and that was that. They never did get back to me about my status in the pipeline. (laughs) But I'll say this. That prospect never saw the majors. (laughs) After the tryout, I started getting regular calls from all kinds of folks around Maryland. I went where I could pitch. So when Joe called me saying he wanted me to be on the 31st MLB team he was putting together, I said, sure, what the hell? Did you already know Joe? Big Joe? Of course, who doesn't know Big Joe Bandicoot? He was one of the better catchers I played with. So when he called, I told him, I'll pitch if you're catching. I'd seen some of them beer leaguers behind a dish. Joe was no Yogi Berra, but he could catch. He told me he was going to manage. So I said, do both. Put your money where your mouth is. If we're going to do this, then let's do this. You know what I'm saying? So it sounds like you were kind of Joe's right hand in all this. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Me and Meat Hooks, those two went way back. But it's not like I helped him come up with the idea. That was all Joe. He even had the name set by the time he called me. I said, the Upper Deckers? Joe, you gotta be kidding me. He says, what? That's where we're gonna hit them. The Upper Decks. (laughs) I started laughing right then. He says, what's so funny? I said, nothing. You didn't tell him? Tell him what, that he named the team after taking a dump on the top of a toilet? (laughs) Nah, I figured the media could take care of that. Plus, I thought he did it on purpose, because of the golden eggs and all. 
The golden eggs refer to the Black River Waste Treatment Plant in Dongdok. The sewage plant is easily recognizable when you drive down I-695. It looks like two huge golden eggs. Truly, you can't miss them. And Diana wasn't the only one who made the sewage connection. Once word started getting around about the team, the poop jokes came right behind. With the team in place, Joe needed some opponents. At first, Joe turned to his familiar stomping grounds, playing exhibition game after exhibition game with various beer league and recreational teams around the city. Joe had started marketing the team as making a professional push, but nobody took them very seriously. Joe felt they needed a boost, something that would make for a flashy headline. That was around the time he started talking about playing the kids. I said to him, you want us to play these middle schoolers? These little peewee chumps? He explained why and all, but I still thought it was a waste of time. Was it fun? Crushing the hopes and dreams of these little children? Yeah, it was fun. And more importantly, it worked. We return now to the story we first brought you last week about a local amateur baseball team who continued to challenge local middle and elementary school teams to exhibition matches. The team is called the Dundalk Upper Deckers, and for weeks now, they have been seen at various schools playing beer league-style baseball against children. Both the Baltimore City and County PTAs have denounced the team that's being led by legendary Orioles fan Big Joe Bandicoot. That's right, Lisa. Big Joe has been a familiar face at Camden Yards for years, but after a fight with Orioles manager Brandon Hyde earlier this season... Big Joe now says that his goal is for the Upper Deckers to become baseball's newest major league team. When asked to comment on how playing children would prepare them for the big leagues, Big Joe said, If the Orioles are any indication, these kids should be the perfect simulation of major league talent. The games against the kids were exactly the spark Big Joe was hoping for. It was surprising, controversial, and more importantly, accessible. After the story started to spread on local Baltimore news, suddenly baseball fans started flocking to the games just to see this ragtag team of working-class outcasts go up against a team still going through puberty. Their female ace only helped them go from backyard baseball to trending on Twitter. Suddenly it seemed like everyone in the city wanted to get a look at the Upper Deckers. I think what surprised me the most was how professional they looked. That's Mark Jacobson, one of the Upper Deckers' earliest fans. We had heard about this team challenging kids on the news, so my friends and I went to one of the games, and here comes this team with their own custom uniforms and stuff. I mean, we were expecting, you know, t-shirts and shorts, and these guys looked like the real deal. And I have no idea where they got the money for the bus. The team bus, which fans almost instantly started calling the commode, was a limo-style bus the Upper Deckers traveled in. Naturally, it had the team mascot plastered all over the side of it. Dookie. (laughs) Dookie was my idea. Everyone was already talking about our name, like it was the toilet prank. So I said, Joe, embrace it. And embrace it he did. Dookie soon appeared at all games and press conferences. The giant toilet sporting an upper-decker hat, a handlebar mustache, and a tattoo of a crab would meander the crowd and pretend to flush the opposing kids and fans into his bowl. It wasn't long before Dookie started getting an online following of his own, which culminated in viral super-mascot Gritty of the Philadelphia Flyers challenging Dookie to a boxing match. The upper-deckers were on a roll. 
With Joe mysteriously funding more and more extravagant marketing campaigns, the story of this team of rejects out to show the world what real Baltimore baseball looked like was growing into a legend. But where was this money coming from? Who was this mysterious super fan from Dundalk funding this viral stunt? Where did Big Joe come from? And more importantly, where did he go? How did one man go from creating the most chaotic and bombastic night in the history of baseball to vanishing without a trace? We tried for weeks to track down Big Joe to no avail. Anyone who had a clue to his whereabouts was keeping tight-lipped about it. It seemed like every call I made was a dead end. But after talking with Meat Hooks and the rest of the team, I realized I was forgetting one very important lesson from that wise, barehanded third baseman. You don't call Big Joe. Hello? Hello, this is Megan. I heard you were looking for me. Coming up this season on Beneath the Headlines. Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me at all to learn that the Upper Deckers were set up. It became a complete obsession. It was all-consuming. It was like he was in a trance. The Upper Deckers are the greatest sports franchise in history. You hear me? I think it was a conspiracy. The government is behind it, and the bird was in on it. Everyone was after us. Are you kidding? Everybody wanted a piece. It wasn't a joke anymore. They had a real major leaguer on the team. I mean, this shit was serious. Folks, I cannot tell you the chaos we are witnessing tonight at Camden Yards. The field is... Wait, what's that in the sky? This is episode one of five of Beneath the Headlines season one, 50 Cent Beer Night and the Legend of the Dundalk Upper Deckers. The show is produced by Paul Diem, Matthew Shea, and me, Megan Stanton. Jeremy Weinstein is our technical director with production assistance from B. Claymeyer, Genevieve DeMai, Sid Cohn, and Alix Fenhagen. The show is edited by Matthew Shea, and our theme music is by Daniel Baird Jr. Beneath the Headlines is sponsored by Single Carrot Theater. To learn more about Single Carrot and their productions, visit singlecarrot.com. What's on your list of every brilliant thing worth living for? Ice cream? Water fights? Skinny dipping? Don't we all have the capacity to find joy and resilience in life's little moments? Single Carrot Theater presents Every Brilliant Thing by Duncan McMillan and Johnny Donahoe. This solo, outdoor piece of theater invites audiences to help tell a funny and moving story of holding on to hope in life's darkest hours. Every Brilliant Thing runs from September 3rd through September 26th at Single Carrot Theater in Baltimore. For more information and to buy tickets, visit singlecarrot.com.